0: We resume our lesson from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, which deals with spiritual gifts. In this message, Pastor Harris teaches us 12 truths about spiritual gifts to keep us from speculating beyond what the Bible teaches. Please listen closely as Pastor Jim teaches today's slice of this week's message entitled Don't Be Ignorant about spiritual gifts, part two. All right, let's move on. He's laid out a lot of doctrinal foundation, if you will, about spiritual gifts. Now he's going to get to some very practical things in the remainder of this chapter, verses 15 through 20. If the foot says, because I am not a hand, I am not a part of the body, it is not for this reason, any the less a part of the body. And if the ear says, Because I'm not an eye, I am not part of the body. It is not for this reason, any the less, a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But now God has placed the members, each one of them in the body, just as he desired. If they were all one member, where would the body be? But now there are many members but one body. You can see what problem he's addressing there. Uh, Some people might think that they are insignificant, and their contributions to the body are, are too insignificant to matter. Nobody will miss me. Well, if nobody will miss you, you've probably not been using your gift. Uh, That kind of thinking, that's an insult to the sovereignty of God who distributes each gift individually just as He wills. He places each each member in the body of Christ just as He desires. Now, there could be the flip side of that problem, right? Let's read on, verses 21 through 26. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, or again, the head to the feet. I have no need of you. On the contrary, it is much truer that the members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary, and those members of the body which we deem less honorable, on these we bestow more abundant honor, and our less presentable members become much more presentable, whereas our more presentable members have no need of it. But God has so composed the body... Uh, giving more abundant honor to that member which lacked, so that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now, what potential problem does that address? Some people might think that others are not as significant as they are. And that, therefore, they don't need to have that close fellowship with these lesser members of the body of Christ. And that's equally an insult to the plan of God. Now, again, he uses the analogy of the human body. It is the um, unseemly parts, you know, the, the internal organs that aren't pretty to look at. I mean, you, you, the boy never meets the girl and says, I have never seen a spleen like that in my life. You understand? Some things need to be covered up uh, and other things are more visible. So we give those things more abundant honor, says the text, by having the most protection provided around them. You don't want your heart going off and acting independently of the rest of your body. So... Members of the church must take care of each other just like all the parts of your body have to work together for the body to function. End of the chapter is coming. Watch this. We're going to get there. Verses 27 to 31. Now, you are Christ's body and individually members of it. Now, there's a a plural and a singular there. You collectively are Christ's body. Jesus is not on earth now, but how do you get to see what Jesus does? How do you get to see what he looks like? How do you get to to learn about his character? You watch the individuals collectively working together. So uh, you collectively are Christ's body, and you are individually members of it. It's like a mosaic. You don't get all excited about one stone in a mosaic You stand back from it and you see thousands of stones that together make up the beautiful picture. All right, now you are Christ's body and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church, first, apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, various kinds of tongues. All are not apostles, are they? All are not prophets, are they? All are not teachers, are they? All are not workers of miracles, are they? All do not have gifts of healings, do they? All do not speak with tongues, do they? All do not interpret, do they? But earnestly desire the greater gifts, and I show you a still more excellent way. Now again, there are things there that we can't... um, spend a whole lot of time on, I want to suggest to you that um, that's not a list of gifts. That's a list of people, people who have gifts. And he's saying there are different different things there. And, and you say, well, you told me that all these are equal and nobody can think of themselves as more important, but there it says first, second, third, etc. Well, The church is built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus being the the chief cornerstone. So uh, there are uh, various levels of influence, but not different levels of of value attached to those people. So what conclusions should you draw from this whole chapter? It's kind of summarized there in verses 27 through 31. Well, He doesn't want you to be ignorant about all of this. He said that in verse 1. Don't ignore your responsibility to function in harmony with all the other members of the body, to function according to the gifts that God gives you, and He enables you to serve other members of the body of Christ. Go look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16. Go look at 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 and 11. You have a responsibility. Trust the sovereignty of God. He will arrange the parts of the body of Christ exactly as He designs it to be. I think there are quite a few takeaways from this chapter. They should encourage you, and they can help you immediately, even in this time when it's hard for us to get together and look like one body. But just think about the things that you know for sure from this passage, this chapter. You have a spiritual gift. You are a unique member of the body of Christ, there are not two of you. Even if you have an identical twin, there are not two exactly alike in the body of Christ. You are necessary for the body. I mean, just just take one piece of your physical body and have it not function or be hurt. The whole body's going to have to give all of the attention to it for a time. You are necessary for the body. Understand, the Holy Spirit wants to use you. He saved you for the purpose of making you useful. The Holy Spirit will enable you to serve. He's promised that. He will energize you along the way. Understand that your purpose is for the good of others in the body of Christ and even others who don't know Him. Understand, no one should feel inferior and no one should feel superior. Now, um, okay, I'll, I'll confess, um, I invited five people to be here today, and there are 10 eyes looking at me, 12 if you count, Eric, back, in the, back in, the, in the sound booth there, and it is just as weird as can be to do what I do, looking at all of these empty chairs, but there are people here to remind us, uh, this is a really strange time, but we need to apply this, um, Our routines are disrupted. Our regular schedules, what's that? I haven't felt that for weeks. They're obsolete. Our relationships are bent and jumbled and, um, in many cases, disrupted. But God is in control. This is perfectly within His plan. You understand this virus And all of the consequences from it, they are from the hand of God. This is not a satanic attack on the world. Now, the fact that there are viruses that make you sick, okay, you can go back and blame that on Adam if you want to. It is a fallen world. But you know what? There have been coronaviruses for a long time. You've probably had one. This one is called novel Coronavirus, right? Because it's a mutation. What's a mutation? It's another result of the fall. It's where something gets changed and it becomes better and worse than it used to be. That's what a mutation is. Look, God knows all of this. Any suffering that this produces, and I'm not minimizing anybody's suffering, mind you, any suffering this produces is infused with the eternal purpose of God. For those of us who love the Lord, we know He will work all things together for good. Romans 8.28 did not come in your Bible with an asterisk that says, unless there's a pandemic. God knows it all. Well, now that we can't do this in person for a while, what a great time for us to... uh, Individually and collectively work hard on clinging to each other as never before. and pray that God will be glorified and that we will, in our every human interaction, limited though it may be, we will embody the gospel of Jesus Christ.